This podcast is part of the TrekSphere Network. To find more Star Trek-related content, visit TrekSphere.com. And, uh, well, you do it. I'm tired of doing it. I'm tired of picking up all the slack. Okay. God. <laughs> well, as you know, but Paul may not, mm-hmm. this is the measure of an episode, where it is our continuing mission to explore what makes Star Trek proper Star Trek, and not just Fox Sunday animation domination. I'm Jonathan. <laughs> and I'm Paul. And the criteria by which we judge these episodes, number one, is there science fiction inherent to the plot? Is there science fiction explored in the plot? Number two, is that science fiction novel or unique in some way? And number three, is there a moral or ethical dilemma presented by the episode? And I'm Fox News. (laughs) Uh, And I'm Boimler? So the episode we watched was episode nine of season two of Lower Decks, where the blurb says... (laughs) <laughs> Boimler tries to find a bridge buddy while the USS Cerritos crew has downtime during a long warp trip. Now, I would say that's actually the cold open, but there's no cold open in this episode. Did you notice that? I don't know enough about modern animation aesthetic to know if they're if they do that. Do they do that? Uh, I don't know either. I just having so many cold opens and having DS9 live live on that, yeah. I was surprised. I thought maybe I missed it and I kept trying to back it up and it just went straight into the the theme song. So I was like, oh, there's no cold open here. And yeah, I don't know if they do that. Like South Park does not do that. Well, they just right. go I mean, straight into the thing. Right, but Star Trek has a cold open. So I don't know if Lower Decks doesn't or if like, or if this was an episode with no cold open, which was surprising being a Star Trek show. See, I, I think this is an animation first and a Star Trek show second. Okay. I don't I don't think it's the other way around. I think that yes, it 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 isn't just a show with Star Trek decals on it. I do think there is it goes a bit deeper than that. Right. Uh this episode in particular, I will say. Yes. Not that I'm any uh lower decks aficionado. <laughs> but I will say that it is not uh just a animation show that they're like, oh, wouldn't it be fun if we said it in Star Trek? And that was the end of it. Right. But I do think that it does follow, and you're more of an animation buff than I am, but mm-hmm. it do, does seem to be just a modern animation show that is set in Star Trek that that chooses to go down the rabbit hole of Star Trek, but truly is not trying to be a Star Trek show. It's trying to be an animation show. Right. Um, I mean... I think it's trying to be a Star Trek show while taking advantage of the fact that it is animation and able to, I think we talked about this last time too, while being able to do more uh, because it's animated. You know, there's definitely more aliens than, uh, than there are on other series. And they, they're able to do things that like the movie does. <laughs> uh-huh. I'm with you. Uh-huh. Right. Go on. Uh, because they, they don't have to worry about budget and special effects. The animation is the animation no matter what. Uh, I did just do a quick right. quick research, and other episodes do have teasers. So this episode may not be the only one with without a cold open, but a cold open is also common in Lower Decks. What I was going to say oh, about okay. the cold open is they made up for it by having the – this is the only episode that has an uh, an epilogue added scene over the credits. Which was quite choice. Yes. Yes. So all of the introduction out of the way to answer your question, I thoroughly enjoyed this episode too. Um, What I, what I really appreciate about lower decks is it's definitely a, it's a, it's a love letter to star Trek. Like it truly is. They, I don't think that they are doing anything that is 
making fun of Star Trek, except for maybe highlighting some tropes every once in a while, but never in a, this is overdone, just in a, you know this from Star Trek type way. Yeah, it is very referential. I think it's almost kind of fan service referential. Absolutely. Right? They're kind of saying, will you, can you find all of the references in this episode that may or may not be inherent to the plot, but they're there. Right. And so it's funny that we've chosen two episodes that have the pack lids. Yes. Well, uh, they clearly play a role in this universe, right? Yes, but apparently they're not like big until this episode. Like they they weren't shown in the first season at all until the last episode. And right. they were yeah. maybe like in two other episodes this season. I don't know for sure. But uh, but ba- again, based on the, the reading and research that I did, like they, they are not in every episode in the second season. Right. It is just funny. It's It's more weird stuff. Uh, clearly our algorithm, our random generator, our random episode generator has branched out and leaked into the internet because somehow it managed to connect these two dots that are very far apart Right for us, yeah. for only for this podcast, that the only two episodes of Lower Decks that we've watched have had the packlets be a major part exactly. of the plot line. Right, right. But, but it was interesting because I... I don't know if all of the episodes are like this, but what an interesting take on their own premise that it's kind of hard to believe that they haven't addressed this in some other way that we got to see essentially four, four, one, two, three, five, five. Yeah. Who was the fifth? (laughs) I like, I said, who was the fifth as though you knew which ones I had already accounted for in my head. Right. (laughs) Uh, The Vulcans, Paul. (laughs) Oh, right. Right. Damn it. No, there were the uh, obviously the Cerritos, uh, the Vulcans, the Klingons, the Pockleds, and the Borg. Oh, they're right, the Pockleds. Damn it, you win. Damn it. I was um, so the episode is called um, Wedge Douge. Wedge Douge. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, which? How did you know that? I read it. Oh. Okay. Oh, right, right on Paramount Plus. Right. It's not yes. written in Klingon there. Right. No. Okay. <laughs> but but strangely, strangely the. the the first letter, which is W-E-J, the W is lowercase, and the second letter is D-U-J, and the D is uppercase. Yes. So we're getting a little Klingon grammar. Right. Perhaps. Yeah. Uh, because the, the D is supposed to hit be hit harder. Uh, and I, I heard so many different pronunciations of this. I, that I was tempted to just say it's judge you backwards. Um, I thought maybe it was an anagram or something like that. Right. That I didn't know what was going on. Okay. But what was interesting is, first off, yeah, that nobody had uh, had the wherewithal to research how to properly pronounce it because it's Klingon and Klingon has a language. So you could find the proper pronunciation. There was one person who pronounced it like, and I was very skeptical that the second J would make a guttural sound, but the first J wouldn't, but I'm not positive. Right. You know, uh, but the, the thing that would, that I, I would have loved to have seen is if instead of being called three ships, it was called five ships just so people would be like, well, where are the other two? You know? And right. then suddenly looking for it. Yeah. And the pock led, you know, they're like, well, that's four. And the episode ends and they're like, what, why is it called five ships? And then the, the tag at the end with the Borg. Well, let's, let's jump in. I mean, we don't have to talk about the plot. The plot is basically, we get a, a look into five different lower decks <laughs> ships from five different things. Fair enough. Yeah, yeah. Like it's basically the the, the the premise. And I had I actually had very little plot stuff to say about this. Uh, did you have a lot of stuff to say about plot 
What would you mean goings on to, to say about it? I don't know. Like it just, it felt like it wasn't, it's not a plot show, right? It's not like where silence has lease where there's, there's stuff that happens that, that kicks us to the next thing that kicks us to the next thing. It was just sort of snapshot. Right. right, that's true. With a battle sequence at the end. Yeah, I I did like, however, how everything did culminate at the end. Um, I thought that that was very well laid out, and it it didn't feel forced in any way. No, it was good. Yeah, it was good. Uh, I I wasn't bored or anything like that. Right. Probably my favorite ship was the Vulcans. Oh, by far. In fact, I got to the end of this episode thinking, okay, so that this is how they're going to set up the series finale, the the Vulcan. The uh, hothead Vulcan <laughs> is going to be obviously going to the Cerritos. Yeah. Right. And, and it was it was just so great how everybody <laughs> was like, it's these outbursts that we are talking about. <laughs> and they didn't family guy it up. They could have made it so much more of a bigger thing. Yes. I like that they were making a point, but it wasn't the joke. Right. That wasn't the entire reason they had the Vulcans there was right. to make that joke. Right. So anyway, to finish my point, I loved I wanted that my own show or an exclusively Vulcan show where we just follow this Vulcan around and she doesn't leave the Vulcan ship. She stays on it and she's sort of the outcast because she is showing some little slivers of emotion here and there. By the way, they do say something where she says, I believe this to be true. And they say beliefs are they, they essentially group beliefs into a an emotion. Yes. And I was wondering to myself, is that true? Is belief something that you would consider an emotion. I don't think that's true. Well, I think if, if you believe, <laughs> if you believe that belief is an emotion, then you have to believe that vigorous is an emotion as well. And they were talking about the vigorous game of chess at the very beginning. Right. And I can't imagine somebody playing chess with a belief that they will lose or, or win or with, without belief of any of those two things. It would seem that belief is not contained under emotion to me. Right. I would agree with that. Uh, but anyway, I, I'm a nitpick. I have another nitpick. Actually, a lot of what I have to say are nitpicks. <laughs> right. It's, yeah. I mean, because, well, I mean, because overall, is there anything in this episode that you either wish they would have done differently or you were disappointed by? No. Yeah. Not at all. Yeah. Me neither. No, I, and I felt like it needed, it, I, I really wanted to see a live action version of this in next gen paradigm. Right. It could have been really interesting. They would have had time to explore a little bit more of maybe the differences and maybe connect all of the different storylines together in a more interesting way at, at, for the animation. Obviously it's only 22 minutes or whatever it is. They needed to hurry up and find them, find an easy way to get them all to converge at the end of the episode. So, but with more time, in fact, I would consider this to be, if it was going to be live action, a two parter, <laughs> just like every other episode that we watch. Right. And, and so it would have been really fun to see how they get all of these disparate ships together at the end of the, in the climax. Right. So I think, so fun. yeah, I think as a live action episode, so watching this episode kind of with a slightly more discerning eye based on our last conversation and the fact that it was 30 minutes rather than an hour, I feel like there maybe could have been one more scene in each ship, but realistically it's more the fact that the animation is carried through the visuals and the dialogue if that makes sense whereas in in starch well i mean just in tv in general like people don't normally talk this fast so i feel like just to convey all of the conversations that were being had 
it would have been stretched out to an hour kind of by default. I mean, we would have, right. you know, we would have yeah. spent more time with them talking about what they were going to be doing over the 12 hour warp break. Uh, we would have had more time with, uh, Tindy. I think, I think that's her name and the, the cat doctor on the cliffs. Um, but you know, like I, I feel like all of these scenes just would have been, would have had more time to breathe rather than getting through the dialogue and showing the animation so we can move on to the next scene. Well, and a lot of the dialogue was reserved for jokes. Right. And I felt like if you didn't have to, uh, feel as though feel, I guess, obligated to let, make sure every scene had a joke that it wouldn't, you're right. There would be more time to let everything breathe and let the plot be more, of the driving force rather than the, I don't say the character stuff because I guess it is character stuff. There was a lot of, you know, because a lot of the, the main characters complaints, what's his name? Boimler. Boimler. Yeah. Yeah. And I guess every, every one of the main characters on each of the ships that it would have been, I feel like we got it right. We got, we got the problem in terms of what Boimler was going through and the other guy was going through. It wasn't a complex character problem of, I want to get to from where I am to another spot in terms of my relationship with the command crew, or I want to be higher in command. I want to, I want to gain preference with my commanders. Right. That was the idea. And we didn't need more scenes other than the first preliminary scene setting that up. But the problem with animation is they use that premise. I want to call it a weak premise, just a simple no, one yeah. for the, sake of comedy yeah um oh man so many things that you just said uh i I started like having a notepad by me but one of the things that i thought was kind of cool was uh first off i know we we haven't watched all of the episodes but it didn't seem like any of the characters were changing their character for a joke or they said something out of character for it to be a joke what was nice too was we had these three different settings all with the same kind of situation. You know, two two of the people were vying for an upper rank and one of the one of the people was working outside of their their station. And all three of them had a different outcome. And two of the three got what they wanted. It was very it was a very scrubs setting, you know, where like two of the three right. happen the way that we expected to and one of them is subverted. So Boimler got recognized by a senior ranking officer, even if it wasn't necessarily the way he he was hoping for. Uh the Klingon got a com- uh, position of command and the Vulcan got kicked off her ship, which as a side note, uh, I believe it's the episode that we watched, but she was giving the sarcastic live long and prosper. Yeah. 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 I caught it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It was great. It was great. And they, you know, it's, it's kind of fun because they do reference, obviously they did the eyebrow thing many times and yes. the Star Trek, whatever, three, four, which one? What was the rock climbing one? Five. Uh, is that five? Yeah. Yeah. Where they sing row, row, row your boat. Or maybe, maybe it's, it's no, either five. five or six. No, it's five. Okay. Six is, I can't remember the names. They all are, are vague enough where they could apply to any of the Star Trek movies. Six Undiscovered is the, the you red You could say that about blood? any of them. The what? Six is the Klingon blood? Uh, I don't think that's the name of the movie. <laughs> I don't remember that. <laughs> Yeah, I've heard it both ways. <laughs> yeah, six is the one where they it's very epic in scope where they go to prison. And yeah, it's like OK, so, yeah, that is that is the one with pink blood. And that is also the one with Cry Havoc and Let's Slip the Dogs of War. Yeah. And they, they reference that, too. Yep. And it doesn't it's not a reference that is functional. It is just a, again, fan service kind of thing. So that was what I really appreciated about all of the all of the references were that they 
you did not have to be a Star Trek fan to enjoy this episode. You just appreciated it more by being one. What's nice about the science fiction and the Star Trekness of of Lower Decks is that it's not doing it. It's not making fun of Star Trek. No, not at it's all. It's trying yeah. to coexist with it. Exactly. It's not a, I guess, a hipster esque expression of hipsters are coming up a lot for some reason. It's not a <laughs> hipster hipster esque, uh, yeah, expression. Everybody's a hipster these days. What are these <laughs> hipsters doing? Get off um, my holodeck. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, and I appreciate that because I could very much see somebody having this idea. Let's trash Star Trek in this animation and just make fun of how lame it is. Right. And wouldn't and it be funny? Yeah. Wouldn't it be funny to trash Star Trek? Yeah. And they don't do that. It's great. So but they didn't do that. Another another reference to and I, I watched a, a brief interview with Mike McMahon, who is one of the either creators or writers of it. But uh, he said, like, we do so many jokes about. Uh, TNG and Voyager and TOS and like so many callbacks to those things that it's uh, and it's one of the reasons why is because it's very difficult to do something with the newer shows because they're so new they haven't entered the zeitgeist or the, you know just the 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 regular Star Trek conversations and he said but the the Discovery running exercise shirts that had disco across the front you know he was like that's that's been referenced so many times and it's such an easy thing that we can do and that's why Captain Freeman was wearing a shirt that just said Ritos on it. Wait, I had a revelation from, from what you just said. Okay. I feel like the the newest Star Trek – let's let's take Lower Decks and the newer live-action Star Trek. Right. Okay. Let's, let's make them both actors for a second. Okay. I feel like uh, the new live-action Star Trek shows are a, an actor – who is one of those one of those method actors where even when the director calls cut, they're going to remain in character and they're insufferable about it and they they will not come out of character no matter what and they they will just sit in the chair and you know it's it's that kind of thing that's what the new Star Trek live action shows are trying to do and this show Lower Decks is actually the fun actor who takes his job seriously but is happy to talk about the baseball game that they went to in between takes. Right. He enjoys being part of the entertainment industry and does not consider it. Yeah. Like I get what you're saying. Not so precious about the idea that this is Star Trek and this is serious. Right. Okay. We don't joke around about Star Trek. You know, you can see somebody saying that. Right. And it's not as unnecessary in Star Trek. We will take it seriously how we choose to. You do not need to sleep in your Vulcan ears. Right. Yeah. Did we stretch that uh, metaphor? I thought it was great. I completely understood what you meant, and I agree completely. Okay. Let's talk about it some more. Okay. <laughs> uh, so then, what would you say, Strange New Worlds? What do you think Strange New Worlds will be, or Prodigy? Do you know Prodigy? I yet? don't know. Okay. I, Pro- is Prodigy the Nickelodeon one? Yeah. Which starts okay. in two weeks. Yeah, I don't know. The fact that it's sort of a kids show, I'll be interested to know. How is this going to be different from Lower Decks? Not that Lower Decks is a kids show, but it is animation. And I'm getting the impression that it is more of a kid's show. Right. A la Muppet Babies. Not that it is a a <laughs> duplicate of Muppet Babies. But that it's Where that we can only tone. see the captain's like knees down. <laughs> yeah, that's kind of what it feels like. You know? Or just Janeway as a chi- as a small baby and Chakotay as a small baby, because I know they're both in it. But I don't know. I don't know what to expect from Prodigy just because I know very little about it. And same thing with Strange New Worlds. Is that what it's called? Yes. So it's going to be more in vain of the original series. Uh, it's more episodic. It's not going to be more serial. And 
with that said, it is on the Enterprise, and it's with the crew from the pilot, with Captain Pike and Number One, played by Majel Barrett, uh, and uh, the Black Doctor, who was occasionally on the original series. It's going to have Nurse Chapel. It's got Spock. It's got Uhura. So my immediate response to what you just said is sort of was is sort of my is the same what brain i just had surgery so you have to understand that uh my i had the same reaction that i had when enterprise was released that this is not a continuation of the star trek universe we're this is a prequel we're going to show you how it was before all the stuff happened that you care about yeah and i so hate this inclination i don't know why they i don't know why they keep doing this because I don't care. Right. I don't know how many other people care about this. Like, isn't this great? You get to see where the first pilot, those people, where they came from. And, and I don't know. It doesn't – I'm just – I'm sort of let down. Because I think what makes Star Trek fun for me is obviously the science fiction, procedural science fiction. Very fun. But also the continuation of the universe. We have not had that except with Picard. And it's questionable – that that is really a continuation of the Star Trek universe. So I agree, but also it's to me, I view it as a little bit more of kind of Voyager esque, where we are getting to play in the Star Trek universe. Yes, it's not continuing the storylines that have happened in Next Generation and Deep Space Nine, but it's still it's still adding more to the lore. And for me personally, what I what I like about it is kind of the the Pixar unified theory where how can you make it work, but also kind of watching the writers as how are they going to make it work? You know, like an enterprise where they wanted to introduce the Borg, but how could they do that if the Borg weren't first introduced or were first introduced in Next Generation? You know, so how, like, how can they write their way out of the corner that they're writing themselves into? I feel like the answer is to be creative and come up with stuff that stop trying to fit into the ever increasingly small cracks of the Star Trek, the early Star Trek universe of trying to keep everything, everything working in a single continuum, but that you're just hand hog tying yourself. Is that offensive to hogs? (laughs) To tying? That, okay, why don't you just do something entirely new and you can call it, call it Star Trek and give them phasers and give them communicators and give them ships and all of that. Stop trying to make it these landmark characters and ships. Let them go off, be a, be a firefly in this universe. Like the Goldicott series? Yeah, that would be so awesome. Man, this is keeps, it keeps formulating, it keeps keeps evolving it's going to be so great when we get to the end of the 13 years we're gonna have this this very well laid out show that no one will ever watch (laughs) no one will ever make let alone watch (laughs) but to to speak to your point they they kind of are doing that with lower decks it is it is set in the universe after next generation it must be because Riker is command of his own ship and they i mean now we're establishing that there could be some civil war you know with the within starfleet or at least a conflict with the klingons and starfleet between the the united federation of planets based on what happened in this episode are you talking about lower decks or yes or, or, okay. or the goldicott show <laughs> <laughs> yeah <laughs> i got too excited but this that's what i'm saying is that you know how do they, how are they going to fit in cuz it takes place after Next generation, but right before Voyager and in the middle of Deep Space, it's, see, it's just all you're doing is making it harder for yourself to come up with interesting things because you're so preoccupied with having it fit in. Don't let make it. Maybe yes, you can have there be references to what's going on in the current timeline, but 
why does it have to be in the middle of the of of the federation and its machinations of what's going on with everything else you know do something come up with something clever be creative about it instead of trying to always have yourself leashed to what was popular 25 years ago and 50 years ago or 60 years ago whenever whatever years ago and I feel like it. You you can do you can still do creative things in a way that's well. I was gonna say that's what Orville does, but doesn't really do well. But I feel like this is what Lower Decks is doing that that you're asking for. You know, yes, it's set in the middle, but they're they're off doing their own thing. They're not worried about bringing in all of these iconic characters. And when they do come in, they come in just as a cameo, like Riker did at the end of the season uh, season one. Yes, but I feel like animation is can never be what I want a new Star Trek to be, which is live action not animation. <laughs> <Right>. yeah. <laughs> yes, it does have that that hurdle. Yeah. yeah, it's a big problem. But I just it's not that this is bad. It's just that they don't have time and they, they have different motive. They have different things driving what mm-hmm. makes animation animation. It just can never be that thing. It has to be a comedic animation first. Sure. Okay. Uh, okay. So anyway, I said I had some nitpicks, but they're not. And that's not what I meant. It's not nitpicks. Just it was very small background things that happened that made me wonder what is going on in the writer's head and the animators and the directors and all that stuff. So in the opening scene, they're at warp and they go to whatever the ten forward version of right. the Cerritos is, and in the background we see just a regular star field of space. And obviously there are many different expressions of what it looks like when you're in the ship to be going at warp. Mm -hmm. And in this case, uh, in the Cerritos, it's just a background of stars that don't seem to be moving. And then there's like little rainbow colored streaks that fly by that seem to be closer to them. And I wondered, again, this is very nerdy, but that's why people listen to the show to to hear us talk about this stuff. To hear us really nerd out. Yeah. Right. This is really nerd. About Are sports. they purporting so so these streaks used to be the that oh stars were going so fast that the light of stars were seeing the streak of star of the star mm-hmm. go past us. Right. That was sort of the you know the computer screensaver expression. Yes. And this, I'm wondering, are they are they saying that okay, these rainbow-colored streaks, are they stars? Or is this some kind of effect that's happening when they're going to warp? I ask you this, sir. I would guess that it's just kind of rainbow effect that happens when they're going to warp. All right. We settled it. Yep. But that kind of stuff, like that's the kind of stuff I look for. Sure. And this is, as you said, uh, in this kind of show, the kind of stuff they can do and put in there and not have to worry about acknowledging it. Right. I liked it. Also, I should say. (laughs) That was your nitpick? Was that you liked it? (laughs) Not a nitpick. I mean, that's why I said not. It's not really a nitpick. It's just a very nerdy detail that I want more clarity on. Okay. Gotcha. Gotcha. But... There's another thing that happened. Okay. First of all, they're in the they're in the holodeck, and they're rock climbing, uh-huh. a la Star Trek Five. Yes, the, the color of money, uh-huh. <laughs> whatever that is. And the safety protocols in the holodeck came up. Uh-huh. And didn't we talk about this on our last episode? Yeah. Of about the safety, like we had this extended conversation that everybody skips when they listen to our to our episodes, <laughs> where we talk about the. The goddamn safety safety protocols. Yes, I mean, it I was like, in every oh, episode. we're gonna get we're gonna get a fucking answer to this. That because we, I asked, I was like, what happens when you fall a long distance, right? Where you're obviously falling, 
and you hit the ground? Do you just bounce off of it? Do you just kind of come to? What happens? And, of course, I did not get what I was looking for because he, I guess, hits a tree yeah. he, and is fine. So, right. So here's – right. He hit a tree and he was fine. So here's what I think. I think that there are deflector shields within the holodeck. And deflector shields have a – like they're kind of a, a matter repulsor. So it's it's almost like a, a biological magnet, but it repels instead of attracts. And so when he falls, that turns on above the ground. So he – and then like the uh, the visual warping where it looks like he's falling a long distance, but really he's no more than you know, 10 feet away from them. And he's he's being held above the ground – until something that's in the visual range is supposed to he's he actually coordinates to make contact with which was the tree and then the the deflector shield dro- let releases enough for him to follow those six inches whatever to the ground on the tree okay you're doing way too much work for them way too much work i don't buy it okay <laughs> too much conjecture it is not an answer it was not addressed it can go into the it can, it can go into the theory the theory book okay right of how it works right that's just a theory a Star Trek theory <laughs> yeah. um, but I think I I do think that the safety protocols were not on oh no he would have been dead he would have been dead no but I so the idea is that he hit the tree and maybe he was cushioned by the pre the branches that preceded him to, no that he, when he no that he fall was way too the, high on the trunk no but listen to what I'm saying then after. Is him sort of shaking off his fall, right? He's kind of he looks to be in pain. Yes. So that would tell me that I don't know if you can. Is are the safety protocols? They only inflict a little bit of pain. They just prevent you from dying. I think so. Yeah. So I mean, we have no data. We have no data for this. We're getting right. We can't make this is all theoretically. We're getting into conjecture on a fictional hol- holographic program. But what animation? <laughs> right. <laughs> fully animated yeah uh but i think like his his boots turning on and knocking him into the trunk of the tree like there is no safety protocol for that like he would hit his head and it would hurt well but were his boots part of the simulation oh good question i assumed not i mean would he just have those boots laying around well yeah i just figured they would be on the the ship somewhere Uh uh-huh he says he says like yep i brought my my boots, and they're like, you didn't bring climbing gear? So I got like brought as in you showed up with. Not yes. I got from my bunk locker, my bunk locker. Well, right. But I when you think. say showed up with, I assumed brought into the holodeck from off the holodeck. I don't know. I don't know how it works. Because I guess we have a little bit of evidence that in next gen, they show up already dressed in their costumes. Right. For a holodeck adventure. Yeah. As it were. Which I'm still waiting for that scene where their outfit in the holodeck is projected onto them over their uniform. And so when they walk through those doors, it just fades off and they're automatically back in uniform. That would have been very expensive to do in the eighties and nineties. Oh, I know. Next gen. Yeah. (laughs) Well, Uh, and obviously they don't do that in lower decks either because there were so many people dressed in their holodeck outfits. Oh, you're right. You're right. Yeah. So they don't, so they're, they're still maintaining that you have to change into your own costume. Yeah. And there were there that was a lot of Easter eggs. If you paused it and like New Year's Trek stuff, that was that was good stuff. There was one moment, and I, I didn't catch it in time, 
I didn't go back on the Klingon ship where they all leave the locker room. They're like in the Klingon locker room or something. Uh And in the background, there's like a, there's like a naked Klingon doing something. And I wasn't sure what was going on because we've never seen a naked Klingon or like a partially clothed Klingon. Right. But yeah, what I, what I've heard is, uh, there's two, two Klingon wieners. Yep. Where would the second one be? I believe they're stacked on top of each other. <laughs> are they both for using or are they a backup? Is one a backup? That is a great like question. They have two hearts. They have two hearts. Do they? One is a, yeah. Oh. There's this that whole next gen episode where Worf dies and then they're like, oh yeah, we have, <laughs> they have two hearts. Oh, He's that's alive right. again. That's right. Sorry, I forgot about that. Should have looked at the books before we perform surgery. Yeah. Same thing with Spock's second eyelids. They're like, oh, yeah, by the way, he has two eyelids. He's perfectly fine. Right, right. Well, what's funny, too, is that McCoy didn't know about that. McCoy didn't know about that, and Beverly Clerler didn't know about the second heart either. Like, she, it didn't occur to her at a certain point. Yeah. I'm really glad that I mispronounced that because I was genuinely thinking that her name was Beverly Cleary. <laughs> <laughs> uh another funny thing the i actually laughed out loud when the pack lids red alert came on the red alarm I, yeah yeah red alarm yeah red alarm yeah it's great yeah like they just it, it's it's so good because it's just a continuation of how they were in next generation where they they emulate poorly a different culture this show kind of asks a lot of it's kind of the lost of star trek in the sense they ask a lot of science fiction questions that they never will answer ever where okay so how i do do, uh, hold on nope nope i'm gonna pause you there because (laughs) they don't ask the questions they bring up the things that could be asked like what you're about to talk about they did not genuinely present this in a way of like oh here's a question that should be asked which is what lost did there were so many times where the survivors were like well wait well what is this and who cares so i just (laughs) they forgot about it yeah like i i just mean well you tell me so i was going to say that the the question of how do pack lids how are they spacefaring creatures and even if you said even if the answer to that was well they aren't they stole their technology uh, you can't steal – it would be the same thing as me stealing uh, uh, SpaceX technology. It doesn't matter how much of it I steal. I'm not going to be able to get myself successfully into orbit. So – Right? I right. Don't have, I, I don't have the know-how. Yeah. I I would suspect – and maybe this will be answered. Like the fact that the Pocklets came back. I – the – you know, like when they first came up at the end of season one, it, it was like, oh, of course this is what they would do. They would They would continue to collect – technology because that's what they wanted and whenever it was broken they would just bring somebody on to fix it and either kill that person or keep them as a prisoner or something um so it it made sense that their ships would become this like dangerous thing and obviously they have no idea what kind of power they're wielding or the how to control it uh and so this kind of shows where they were getting the technology from but we may get later on how they did become spacefaring just based on these two episodes i could be wrong you know maybe that will never come up again but what I would suspect is kind of the same, kind of like what happened in the Enterprise episode, where these aliens came to the planet who, you know, were not worried about first contact, and either they wanted to impress these simpletons or they were hoping that they could share the technology with them, and they were able to taught they were able to be taught how to use it, or 
once they were up in space, they just took over the ship from this person and they continued to kind of live in space and do these things. If we were to perform some conjecture here, I would think that maybe it could be a Lord of the Flies situation where some children, ancient children, were abandoned or orphaned in space and they just never learned how – like you, you could – it's sort of like putting a kid wow. uh, without parents. Uh, and you, they're never going to learn space dynamics and, and physics and all that stuff. You just have to be taught these things. And so – at a certain point, I mean, it doesn't have to be ancient either. It could just be a couple of generations where they're just children flying around, like like right. man children. Paul, you just made them so sympathetic. I know. I know, right? That's but so there's... sad. <laughs> like, <laughs> I mean, that would be such an amazing twist on these characters. Oh, my gosh. Now that you've said that, I so desperately hope that's what they do. <laughs> well, it kind of would make it very difficult to for them to now be the villains though. Oh, I know. I know. That's what I'm saying. Like it would be amazing if that, you know, that was kind of the the culmination of it. Like that's that's how everything was revealed is that they are like they're just they're they're children who well, they're they're the descendants, you know, however many generations of children that were left to control this ship and they they don't know how things work. They just knew what to do to make them work. And whenever anything breaks, they have no idea how to fix it. So they have to ask for help. And there have been times where they have been attacked. And so they need to protect themselves. So they they bring on people to give them bigger and stronger ships. And then this Klingon guy came along and said, I can, you know, I can give you what you need all the time. And oh, dude, I I hope that's how this ends. Well, they have to do something because I think for the sake of the next gen episode where we're introduced to the Paclids. Right. Is that or was it was yeah. it a no, it was a Jordy thing? Okay. That only works for one episode. But once you start including these this race in a bunch of episodes, people are going to start asking questions of – same thing with the Klingons. Right. Where how does a barbaric race interested only in conquering and destruction make it into space in the first place? Right. And same thing with these guys. You have to start asking the question, and so they're going to need to address it, uh-huh. right? Yeah. Maybe – Lower Decks is not the place to do that, but, maybe? I don't know. I mean, maybe not for the Klingons, but I hope they do it for the Pocleds. Like, that's so good. That's such like well, that. That's just a twist that's never been seen on Star Trek before. Not not done that way. And so for that to be the reveal and not just that they're stupid aliens, like, would just be fantastic. But they probably won't do that. It's probably <laughs> something else. But there's got to be there's got to be some addressing of it because I'm at the point of how are these people roaming around in space? Things break all the time on really nice ships like the Enterprise, uh-huh. and they need people to fix them. So the idea that you're only just running into people fixing your ships, you're just sort of dragging along on the welfare of other people, it just it's unsustainable. Right. And when the Borg Lower Decks thing came up, I wanted to know, okay, I thought it was like, oh, there's going to be some exchange, some reference to Next Gen or something like that. We're going to see something like that. And they did the right thing. They just had them stand there. <laughs> it was great. So what I wanted was all of them to sigh in unison. Oh, that would have been great. Yeah. Just kind that of like two thirds or three, like maybe, you know, some, somewhere in the tail end, they all just kind of do a collective just. <sighs> yeah. yeah. But no, it, 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 they couldn't have handled it better. Right. You know? Yeah. They did a good job. Yeah. So, um, so yeah, I say proper and great. Yeah, I'm with you. Again, I'm not a big animation person, 
Um, it's not something that it just enthralls me. I was always kind of left wanting more, not in a good way of, well, go down that road. You just opened up, right. You know, or you just passed. Like, let's see what's going on there. I want to see like this whole thing with the Vulcan thing. Like it just felt so interesting for some reason. And nothing they were saying was particularly interesting, interesting, right? The Vulcans. Yeah. But for some reason I was drawn to it. I don't know if it was the acting that it, Maybe maybe that's what it was. Maybe it was because they weren't doing that kind of affect that a lot of animation does. That where if you, if you were to watch uh, TV with your eyes closed, you would automatically know when it's an animation just because of the way that they talk. Right. Right. There's it's sort of a very elevated kind of affect where they're kind of it's almost like stage in between stage and film uh-huh. where they're kind of yelling the whole time. Right. And. They weren't doing that in the Vulcan scenes. Right. It was just they were speaking normally. Yes. Like they would on a television show. And maybe that's why I liked it. I was like, oh, this is this is what Lower Decks would feel like if it were a hard science fiction show. This is it. Mm. You know, mm-hmm. the, the sort of the jokes aside, the kind of flat jo- – not flat bad, but just dry jokes aside. Right. This is what it would feel like. It was great. Yeah. I loved it. In fact – it's such a revelation because we talked about what I would want from Lower Decks, what I want it to be, and how it could never be that. Uh-huh. This is – I got it. For, for <laughs> right. this episode, I got what I wanted. For one shining great. moment, right. Yeah. yeah. It's, exa- it's precisely what I think uh, they could do with animation and Star Trek. Yeah. Does that track for you as to why you liked the Vulcan stuff? Um. No, I mean you said that was your favorite part. Right? Yeah, no, it was it was my favorite part because because the jokes were so under underplayed, understated, uh, you know. And I mean that that was the joke in and of itself. But I just I really appreciated that that she, just because of her words, you know, they were saying like she's being reckless or she's lashing out or her outbursts, her emotional outbursts. Um, and so so that was why I enjoyed it. Like the jokes. You had to be listening for the jokes and they weren't, you know, they weren't played up like, oh, this is, this is funny now. But anyway, yeah, good episode. I liked it a lot better than the first season, season finale, but, uh, I kind of, it kind of makes me want to watch the show a little bit more. Yeah. So, no. so if you liked the episode, uh, please give it a like wherever you get your podcasts. Uh, if you really liked the episode, we are available on Patreon. If you want to go check that, some of that stuff out, we've got all the usual perks that, podcasts do early episodes outtakes where we talk about stuff that's non-star trek related uh like superman and he-man and and baseball baseball (laughs) and relationships yeah and more baseball i think we've had two baseball things a lot of sports (laughs) sports from these two star trek nerds (laughs) Actually not. There's no sports. But if you enjoy this and you would like to hear more, by contributing to Patreon, you are allowing us to have more freedom to either increase the number of episodes that are being output or start talking about other shows, uh, such as, what what was one that we talked about? Um, Oh. uh, Lost. Yep. Doctor Who. Lost. Yeah. Just check the show notes. All of our stuff is in there, however you like to follow people. Next week, we're going to be analyzing episode two of season one of Voyager, which is Parallax. And the blurb said, tensions rise between the merged Starfleet and Maquis crews when the ship becomes trapped inside a star that's collapsed upon itself. That is not the blurb we read last time because it's no longer available on Netflix. (laughs) We will find it. I have been doing research. I will find the person who wrote 
these net, these Netflix blurbs, even though they're no longer on there. Right. Because the blurbs, as we said before, on uh, did we say it before or after? I don't know. And the Amazon blurbs are not the same blurbs that were on Netflix. So it's not just a spreadsheet that they pass around for the stuff. Oh, clearly so, not. Yeah. That means there is somebody that they are hiring at each place to do the blurbs. Yeah. Which seems strange. Seems strange. It seems like a lot more work than necessary. Strange but, new words. Right. But anyway, I've been Paul. I've been Jonathan. And this has been the measure of an episode. But you already knew that. <laughs>